Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, Joe Sabula and Bobby Maximus. Today's episode is sponsored by 10,000, T-E-N-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D dot C-C. Use the code Maximus15 for a discount. Also, Lalo Tactical, L-A-L-O dot com. Uh, use the code Maximus50 for a 50% discount off shoes. And we are here with Mike Chandler. And I got to tell you, Mike, I am fucking excited for this podcast. Um, I'm a washed B-level MMA fighter <laughs> that uh, just is still reliving the glory days. I don't know if you ever heard me and my friend Elliot Marshall go back and forth. Um, Elliot's a really good fighter, fought in the UFC. Yep. Uh, he's training a team. And I beat the shit out of him in his hometown of Broomfield, Colorado for a Ring of Fire world title in 2007. And I'm trying to just relive my MMA glory through him because he's got one of the best teams in the nation right now. So to have you on here for me, I'm a fan, uh, love your work. I'm excited. And, and frankly, the lightweight is, is, is it's my favorite division in, in all the UFC. Cause I think you guys have a level of talent that guys like me did not or don't have. You know what I mean? Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you, well, first of all, if, if it wasn't for guys like you pouring your heart out and putting on phenomenal shows for the fans and showing, showing what the sport was all about, there wouldn't be guys like me coming in, you know, a decade later and, and be able to make a great living for my family. So kudos to you. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, and, and likewise, you know, it, it was funny because we connected a couple days ago. You said, hey, you want to go on the podcast? And I said, yeah, like ASAP, like yesterday, because I've been a fan of you for a long time now. And, and, uh, obviously I am a mixed martial artist and a wrestler, but man, when it comes to fitness, living a, a, a clean lifestyle, trying to get the most out of his body that I possibly can, you're one of the guys that I look to and say, okay, well, if Bobby's doing this, I'm going to do that. So I'm uh, tickled to be here. Pumped to, pumped to get into an awesome conversation. Well, thank you for, for those of you who may not know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about your, your career? I know you, you wrestled division one, uh, NCAA, which is why I like you as a fighter better than most. Um, mm -hmm. I'm partial to the wrestling. I was on the Olympic ladder in Canada for a little bit, mostly Greco though. Um, but I do love wrestlers. And uh, I want to say you're in the top 10 lightweights in the world, like for just, you know, for rankings. Yeah. So I, I've been kind of a perennial top 10 guy since, you know, 2011 essentially so i i wrestled in in college wrestled in missouri wrestled at university of missouri walked onto the team everybody around me said hey michael why are you going to go walk on to the division one level it's the highest level you can get to before the olympics essentially the the united states division one ncaa division one wrestling ranks are the it's the toughest wrestling in the, in the entire world so why are you going to go do that when you can just go take a scholarship to one of the smaller schools one of the smaller universities um, but I took a chance on myself. I went out there and became a starter for four years, qualified for nationals all four years, became an all American, uh, my senior year. And for some reason I didn't want to continue wrestling. And I felt like mixed martial arts was, was growing and it was becoming a, it was the fastest growing sport in the world. It still is the fastest growing sport in the world. Two of my big brothers who I wrestled with Tyron Woodley, who was UFC champion, Ben Askren, who was multiple time world champion and fought in the UFC both of those guys got done wrestling at, at University of Missouri. They were like big brothers to me. They got into fighting, kind of made a path. They both started having a, a decent amount of success, started making a little bit of money. I thought, well, shoot, I still want to compete. I still have a, a, a desire to compete. And hand-to-hand -hand combat just comes natural, naturally to me. I had a better chance of becoming a world champion mixed martial artist than I did, as you spoke about, climbing that Olympic ladder. People don't understand 
getting on that Olympic ladder and trying to get to the number one guy on the Olympic ladder is dang near impossible unless you are just absolutely phenomenal. So to me, I realized that wasn't going to be my, my future wrestling wasn't. So I figured I didn't, I didn't want to go straight into the workforce. I wanted to start fighting, figured I'd start fighting. Uh, two months after I graduated, had my first fight, 18 months after my first fight, I fought Eddie Alvarez, the number three guy in the world, ended up beating him and becoming a number, you know, the number three lightweight in the world. And since then I've won the titles and lost the titles and won the titles and lost the titles, but I've always been one of those guys who's kind of that perennial top 10 people are talking about me when it comes to the top lightweights in the world. But, uh, I've been in Bellator for the last eight, nine years and, uh, going into the last part of my contract. So we shall see what happens. Nice. Now I have a, I have a question. I don't know if you've been asked this before. It's something I think about a um, little bit about my background. I am hanging out in a good life fitness, which is like a global gym, like a golds or a bossa. This is shit. This might've been the year 2000 maybe. And this guy named Sean Tompkins comes up to me. Uh, Sean, I think is one of the better coaches in MMA history. He's had a lot of good people and he invited me to go train with him a guy named Mark Hominick, Sammy Stout, uh, a guy named yep. Boss Rutten, uh, Jeff Curran was around, Christoph Szczynski. We were one of the original Canadian teams. And mm-hmm. that's how I broke into the UFC, and that's how I had my career. And I often wonder what would have, what my life would have been like if I have, if I had never met Sean. Because that was just such a, like a pivotal thing with me. Do you ever think about where you'd be right now if you didn't know Tyrone and Ben? You ever Absolutely. wonder about I mean, that? Yeah, and it's crazy. And and I, you know, when I first started fighting after I got my first couple of fights, I moved out to Las Vegas, had, had met with met Sean, and I was training the Extreme Couture, so kind of like ran in that circle. So awesome, dude. And and uh, yeah, it's just crazy because I've always said that you, you are who you are because of the work that you put in and the people you surround yourself with. And I truly believe that. It, of course, I always sought out the best people possible. And my number one goal is to always find the best people possible. So surround myself with and associate myself with high driving people, high performing people, high achieving people, because there's too many people not trying to go out there and do great things. There's too many of those. So I need to find that top 1% of people who are just constantly pushing the envelope. They're a little bit dangerous and they believe in themselves. Um, therefore, they pull you up. Man, that's what Ben Askren was. That's what Tyron Woodley was. I was a no-name small guy from a small town who was taught to do very small things and didn't believe in myself, walked onto the university of Missouri, still didn't believe I deserved to be there. Coach didn't talk to me for a full year. Tyron Woodley, for some reason, grabbed me and said, Hey, listen, you're not that good at wrestling. Listen, you, you, you need to come. You're not that good at wrestling, but you're a great drill partner. You're a great body. You're about my size. Come here, whether it's six in the morning, whether it's 3 PM, whether it's four in the morning, whether it's midnight, I need you to come in and train with me and be my workout dummy. I'm like, okay. So essentially by being a subordinate, essentially by being a, a kick around guy, the, the disposable guy, the, the dummy, I not only built my trust with him, a higher up guy, a guy who was ranked top five in the country, but also continue to start believing in myself more. And without, without guys like him pulling me under their wing, without Ben Askren pulling me under their wing, without meeting certain people and God having me right in the palm of his hands through it all and say, and just kind of orchestrating all these different relationships. I'm not the man that I am, the father that I am, the husband that I am, the world champion that I am. So it's, it's always been a constant quest of realizing that, yes, I'm always involved in an individual type of sport, whether it be wrestling, mixed martial arts, whether it be business, but without surrounding myself with the right people and getting those right relationships. And like you said, those serendipitous moments where you're like, holy cow, without him, without her, without that relationship, where would I be? 
did knowing them help you get better fights early on? Because I know like with me, I take it for granted now, but I was kind of protected a little bit with Sean, Mark Dominic boss. I was able to get more opportunities. Otherwise I would have been one of those guys fighting in a bar for eight bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And, and it, it truly is. That's what it is. Cause I mean, this sport is growing so much, but it really is about who, you know, and, and just, just for an example. So Tyron Woodley graduated my freshman year, went off and started fighting amateur fights. So he, he fought like eight or nine am- amateur fights, which means he took the same damage, did all the same training, but made $0 and beat himself up and like was just trying to climb the ranks. Then finally, he met Eve Edwards. He met Luigi Fioravanti. He, meet, he met Dean Thomas. He started training out an American top team. Then Ben Askren started fighting. Ben's, ben, so the discrepancy was Tyron fought seven or eight amateur fights just to get his first pro fight. Ben went straight into pro fighting because, and didn't take any amateur fights because he had Tyron showing him the way. And then Ben and Tyron both showed me the way. So I was able to go right into a, uh, a pro fight. I fought, and Tyron Woodley got me my first Tyron Woodley got me my, my first three pro fights. He got me a fight in Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri, in front of like 17 people, and I made like 48 bucks after I paid for <laughs> my hotel room and all stuff. And then, and then he he had he had just signed with Strike Force. Um, so Strike Force came to St. Louis, which I'm a Missouri boy, so I was able to sell some sell some tickets. So he got me that got me on that St. Louis Strike Force card, and then he got me on a Kansas City Strike Force card. So without knowing those guys, I don't know if I get you know, that, that first fight as a pro. And I don't know if I fight on strike force, those first two strike force cards, which for me ended up being a, having a strike force contract on the table and a Bellator contract on the table at the same time. So without knowing those guys, yeah, I would, I think I'd still be a great pro fighter and I would have had a great, great path, but man, I got to, you know, like you said, I don't, maybe the words protected or, or whatnot, but I mean, got taken care of because I, people said, okay, well, Cause that's what it is. It's all about reputation. Life is all about reputation without, without me having a good reputation amongst Tyron's peers and without Tyron singing my praises and Ben singing my praises, maybe this young hungry kid, Michael Chandler doesn't get that shot. Yeah. And it's funny you say it's a small world. I actually just Googled Eve Edwards cause I couldn't figure out who I've been involved with him somehow. And he actually fought Mark Hominick in UFC 58. That was the first fight yeah. that, Mark had in the UFC that I had in the UFC and Sammy had in the UFC. It was Canada versus the US, uh, the, the Canada versus the USA. And yeah, he fought, Mark, I think he fought Sam Stout too. Or did he fight the other guy? I think he fought Sam Stout as well. He, I think he did later on, but Mark actually beat Eves Edwards in the second round to a submission. I mean, I was there watching the thing at cage side and that was a huge thing for Mark because it was huge upset but it's funny that you you trained with Sean a little bit at Extreme Couture um I didn't realize that you and I were this connected if you will like through just mutual kind of people but it shows what a small world it is well it does it it shows what a small world it is and and it's also you know you're living out in in Salt Lake City I'm living in Nashville training in Florida we're kind of we're different generations of of fighting but then all of a sudden you realize through the beautiful for the beauty of social media and zoom and connecting. And it's like, Holy cow. It's, it's so cool that now in 2020, we can make these relationships. Whereas we wouldn't have been able to do that just 10 years ago, you know? So, it's so I'll, yeah, I'll tell you another funny story. This guy here, Joe Sabula, he has a big background in Olympic Taekwondo. And I fought for a world kickboxing championship in 2001 against a guy named Trent Tompkins in Iowa. Uh, Trent's yeah. one of the best Taekwondo competitors ever in the States. And in 2001, Joe and I almost fought on an elevator. <laughs> I was with Sean Tompkins. 
Mark Hominick, he was with Trent Tompkins. <laughs> and so I obviously didn't remember who this fucking clown in the elevator was, but he shows up at a seminar I'm teaching in 2012, maybe, or 2011. I, I don't remember, yeah. And he's got an Iowa t-shirt on. And I'm like, fucking Iowa, I hate Iowa. He's like, why? Yep. Well, I got knocked the fuck out. I'll tell you what, I got knocked out. Um, I didn't know what Taekwondo was. We always did Thai boxing, like Boss Rutten style, very similar yeah. to Dwayne Ludwig. And he caught me with a back kick so hard in the stomach. Oh. It just, it fucked me up. I didn't know what had happened. And uh, he ended up knocking me out. Sean drove me home. And this was Iowa when I got knocked out. I woke up in Detroit. Like that's the next thing I fucking remember. And so I told Joe this story and he's like, yeah, I was there front row. And I remember. <laughs> like, yeah, you look different back then. We, we became friends. So it's, it's, it's not, <laughs> but another thing, another thing I want to ask, and, and I'm going to be a fanboy for a minute, Mike, I look at you guys as, uh, I thought, Early on, UFC Ultimate Fight Night 5, uh, Ultimate yeah, Fighting Championship 58, 62. It really was a different era back then. We all had part-time jobs, full-time jobs, and it was still kind of the day where you could be good at one discipline and you could go in and do okay. You guys yeah. are so much more talented, uh, so much more well-rounded. It's such a real sport now. Versus uh, when I did it, I wonder sometimes if I could even compete with you guys. Tell me a little bit about what it's like fighting today and how it's different. Yeah, I mean, there's it's definitely that. You can't be a one-trick pony anymore. You know, even when, when I was first kind of getting in, into the sport, there was it was kind of transitioning into that. And you're starting to see, you're starting to see, you know, parents who say, yeah, this is my son. He wants to be just like you. And he, he can't wait to fight someday. And it's like, man, he's like eight years old. So he's going to start training to be a, professional mixed martial artist at eight years old. I threw my first punch threw my first punch at 22 years old. You know, I wrestled in college, got done with college threw my, threw my first punch, hit, hit my first set of mitts, did my first actual like BJJ stuff at 22 years old. So I got a late start. I think that's a very good thing. In a lot of ways, I didn't take a lot of damage. My body wasn't beat up and I was a tough, tough competitor through wrestling. But um, yeah, you have to be, you have to be able to be under, to be, willing to go into all of those different battles and be at least well-versed in most of them. Now I've, I've always said like, if you had to choose just a few, just very basic kickboxing submission, defense and wrestling are going to be your three kind of basics that you really need. Cause you want to have good wrestling so you can dictate where the fight goes. You want to have good, good, just solid, basic striking, you know, like a tie boxing similar to like, like you were talking about boss and, and Dwayne. I love the, I love that style. Very good pressure fighting, but also good defense. Um, and then have some submission defense because a lot of times you just need to not get submitted and then you beat the guy up for long enough and then he gives you his back and you can choke him and it doesn't even have to be that great, great of, uh, submissions. You know, I'm not, I'm not like a slick submission kind of guy. I'm more of a ground and pound to a choke kind of guy, but it is interesting. But you look at a guy like, you know, Khabib Nurmagomedov, I think he's the most dominant guy in the sport today. He's undefeated. He largely, he, he wins the majority of his fights by just throwing hands, picking you up, putting you down, controlling you and punching you until you basically give up a choke or give up a TKO, you know? So you can be somewhat one dimensional. You just have to be so dominant at that one dimension. Yeah. If I can say something about that though, he's probably a lot better at jujitsu and stand up than people give him credit for though. And the reason I say that 
is is and I'm going to sound like an old guy again, but back when I used to fight, if you had a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you were one of the best in the UFC. Like you could hang. It's a little different now. Like I'm shocked at how good John Jones's Jiu-Jitsu is. I'm shocked at how good even like a guy like Conor McGregor. He's not known for his Jiu-Jitsu, but if if he rolled. He could beat a lot of really good black belts in a no gi tournament, is my guess. Do you know yeah, what I mean? And, yeah, well, and, and that's that's the beauty of it too. Like, say, say for instance, for me, I, I'm training down in Florida with Gilbert Burns, who's one of the top top guys in BJJ. Like with with his brother Herbert, with some ridiculously good black belt Brazilian black belt type of guys, and then you got world champion kickboxers like Robin Van Roosmalen, and then you got. You know, basically world champion caliber wrestlers like myself who wrestled Division One, Kamaru Usman, Logan Storley, who was a four-time uh, All-American from University of Minnesota. So that's why you have to, you know, in my opinion, you have to find the best training partners possible. And some people do a really good job of it. Demetrius Johnson, Matt Hume, in my opinion, are the two best one-two punch coach versus coach and fighter tandem in the entire mixed martial arts history. And they bring in guys who just train with him and it's everything's focused around him. But for me, I like to go down to that, that team atmosphere where I'm getting pushed by a world champion grappler and a world champion kickboxer, world champion coach, world champion wrestler. And you just have all these different, these mega gyms that just have multiple, multiple world champions and multiple divisions in multiple sports. Um, and that's the difference too. Like you said, you were just at a Globo gym somewhere and Sean Tompkins just happened to grab you. And then you, came and, and luckily found a couple great guys. But imagine if you were just going to train just by yourself with a couple guys from the bar and you didn't have any other Mark Hominix and Sam Stouts, the guys who were really taking it seriously. You got to, you got to level up with those people around you, you know? Yeah. I want to, I, I want to chime in here, Bobby, because there's, there's something that I'm hearing kind of running through this conversation. That's really interesting. And, and uh, uh, you kind of said it earlier because it, you're two different generations of fighters. And so Bobby and I are, are the same age. And so when I was a Taekwondo fighter, the sport of Taekwondo had just gotten well-established. Like it was an actual Olympic sport. There were rules. We kind of knew what to expect when you go to a tournament. If I were at that time looking at doing MMA stuff, like you didn't know what you were going to get until you got there. You didn't know if there was going to be a ring or a cage. Most of the fights were still in rings. It was mostly like kickboxing plus grappling. I don't think it, it was like well-established as a sport. Uh, by the time you got into the sport, I feel like it actually was well-established. And if you look at like, uh, Bobby and I, we were talking about this yesterday. Uh, you look at like UFC one, UFC two, you've got a guy who's like just a striker versus a guy who's like a sumo wrestler and let's see which style wins. And over time, people began to realize you, you can't just be a striker and expect to beat everybody. You can't just be like Hoist Gracie and expect to beat everybody. You had to start mixing it up. Um, so given that now these days, it's much more of an established sport. It's something that you can come in on and start training. How do you assess yourself along those, those areas that you mentioned, right? Doing your wrestling, doing your, uh, your grappling defense and doing your striking. And how do you determine like where to set those dials on training? When do you know you need to pour more into your, your defense and maybe less into your wrestling? Or do you just tend to max out on the one thing that you're good at? That's actually a really good question. You know, so for me, I'll give you my personal perspective. So when I got into the sport, I obviously knew number one, I was tough because college wrestling produces toughness. Number two, I was going to be a phenomenal wrestler compared to most of the guys because guys wrestling at the division one level, I was just going to be a lot better than. So I knew my wrestling. And then with that, I knew just a couple of little tweaks with my grappling was going to 
because it was going to bring me a long way if I could just get the basics of grappling. Because you put me into a grappling match against even a black belt at the time of me just being a wrestler, not having any BJJ, I would probably do pretty decent because it's hand-to-hand combat, grabbing, moving angles, um, leverage, and that kind of stuff. But when it came to striking, I was like, I didn't know what the heck to do. Put my hands up. You know, I watched a couple of YouTube videos of Floyd Mayweather and Mike Tyson, and it's like, okay, well, that's not enough. So I had to get really, really laser focused in on my striking, both offense and defense, and then my submission defense, because I knew the only way I was going to ever lose a fight, because I wasn't going to get out toughed. You know, I didn't know how good my chin is, because you don't know how good your chin is, and you step in there and get hit a couple times. So if that happened, that would happen. Who cares? There was nothing I could really do about it, but I wasn't going to get caught in the submission. And I told myself that. So I needed to just do my, my grappling defense. I needed to have good, good, solid boxing uh, offense and defense and be basic with it and be solid with it. And then my cardio was going to take over because I was going to have great cardio because of my wrestling background. And I was going to be tough and able to, able to get after it for 15 minutes, 25 minutes if I had to. So I knew my strength and conditioning. I was already ahead of everybody because I had just done it for five years at college wrestling level. So I didn't do any strength and conditioning really for almost two years. All of my conditioning was grappling, sparring, wrestling, my, our pro practices at Extreme, at Extreme Couture. Um, but for the average person, I think everyone should find one or two disciplines that they feel like they're going to be really, really, really good at. You know, con- like when you brought up, you brought up Connor, it would, it would have been foolish for Connor to say, well, I have a pretty good left hand and it's probably going to knock people out. So I'm not going to work on that as much. I'm not going to work on my timing. I'm not going to work on my angles. I'm going to work just on my grappling because my grappling is not as good as punching people with my left hand. You still want to make that, that, that secret weapon as sharp as it possibly can be. And that's why you see him getting just out of range and then thinking people and just dropping them. Cause he's gotten, he, he knows what his strength is and he makes that strength even stronger every single practice. And then just tries to round out his game with all the other things that are, that are decent. For me, I was the exact opposite. I had no hands and a lot of wrestling. So I worked a little bit of wrestling and a lot of hands and worked in our, in our scenarios and our bull in the ring and our sparring sessions as fight simulations and just kind of go as you go. And it really, it comes back to, as you talk about Sean Tompkins, you got to have a good coach. You got to have somebody who's able to see from the outside of the cage. Cause a lot of times we're our own, we are our own worst critic, whether it be ego or whether it be insecurity, I have way too much, I have way too much faith in this, in these hands. So I'm not going to work on my grappling and coach says, no, we need to, we need to round out your game. You need somebody on the outside looking in who can round out your game and really point you in the right direction. Now I'm going to ask, I'm going to add another element to this and it's the element of athleticism. And I guess you could put weight training into athleticism, but here's how I explain it to people. People have asked me if I'm going to make a comeback fighting. And I think maybe I'm crazy, but I think in my heart, I could fight Bellator heavyweight or UFC heavyweight because it's not as athletic. And what I mean by that is LeBron James's of the world's they're making millions of dollars playing basketball. The, the JJ Watt, I don't know if you know who that is, plays for the Texans. Mm-hmm. He's making millions of dollars playing football. I think heavyweight, and this is no disrespect to any heavyweights. I am one, so I can say this. I think it's the least athletic division in MMA, whereas there's no way in hell I could fight at 205. It's just a different world. And then I look at you guys at lightweight, and it's actually funny. My favorite fighters are the lightweight fighters. Because if you were, if you're able to make you or Mark Hominick 240 pounds at your skill set, you guys are the greatest of all time. No one can touch you. It's just a different 
thing. Is athleticism something that can be learned or is, is that something you think that you either have or you don't these days? I think you, I think you definitely start at a certain, at a certain level. Right. And I, and I will be completely honest. I have worked extremely hard to become as most, the most athletic I possibly can be, but I've, I've been given some great, a great athletic gifts, especially as I've aged, you know, once I've gotten to 30, I feel like I'm, a, I'm the best athlete I've ever been at 30 years old. And now 32, 33, I still feel like I'm getting better, faster, stronger, more athletic. I can jump higher, run farther, run faster now than I could when I was 25. And a lot of that is just maturation. It's bone density. It's, it's time under tension, you know? And I, and I would, I would also agree with you because I've seen the way that you train and I bet you are healthier and harder to kill now than you were back in your fighting days because of all the weightlifting, because of all the dynamic movements, because of all the, the emphasis you've put on your vessel from head to toe, trying to make your body healthier, happier, and harder to kill. And that's what I've tried to do since day one. And I, I've always thought, okay, strength and conditioning is not the most important thing, but it definitely can't hurt. If I'm a better athlete, if I can go farther, go longer, punch harder, um, jump higher, be faster, it's always going to put me in a better position to be more successful in this sport in a, in a sport that is based on athleticism. And yes, the higher weights, that's why you see Daniel Cormier is 40 years old. Randy Couture fought until he was 47. That's why you see these, these, these older guys are usually in that bigger weight class that is less dependent on athleticism, cardio, uh, reaction time, everything's slowing down a little bit and they, they make the big, big bucks because they have the most knockouts. But, you know, the guys in my weight class, 155 and, and below 170 and below, there's a certain amount of athletic athleticism, cardio, reaction time, speed, accuracy that somewhat starts to wane as you get older. So I've always focused so much on that because I know I need to, number one, protect my brain. And number two, make sure I continue to become the best athlete I possibly can because it's always going to put me in a, the best case scenario to be successful. Well, and it's it's funny you say that too because I always had a harder time sparring Mark Hominick or Sammy Stout than guys my own size because usually guys my own size, I could out-athlete. And I think there's a portion of that to the sport. Guys who are a buck 55, like you guys are incredible. And generally when you get a guy that's a buck 55, a buck 60, even a buck 70, it's a guy that's been fighting his whole life in wrestling. Because it's not the guy that kind of fell into MMA from football or basketball or, or, or something like that. With the athleticism, the other thing that I've noted is that back in the day, there were like little fat guys that were really good at jujitsu that could fight and have a good career. You don't yeah. see that anymore. Like everyone I see in your weight class looks like someone carved them out of a, carved them out of a piece of rock. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do, you, yeah. do you think that uh what do you think is more important to a fighter coming up raw athleticism and teach them how to fight or the skill of fighting and then teach them how to be athletic if that makes sense at all i think i honestly think the athleticism will put you in a better some better situation to be successful because and I, and i say that because you're if you're if you're more athletic you're going to be able to pick things up faster usually you know, um, for me, I was able to learn through osmosis really well. And I, I think if my brain triggered it, I, I drilled a high crotch or a single leg or a double leg or this different tilt in wrestling millions of times. And people, people think I'm crazy whenever I say that, but millions of times we drilled these techniques. So my brain says, okay, if I drill this long enough, 
for as many times as I need to, then I will be, it will be able to perform in, in my actual performances. So I think athleticism first, and then you can teach somebody the actual techniques because a lot of times when it does come down to these fights, athleticism, which is indicative and connected to cardio, which is connected to reaction time, which is connected to third round, fourth round, fifth round championship rounds. When the going gets tough, whenever you really need to kick in that cardio and have that, that long-term um, effect of being able to fight. That's, that's where those, a lot of those fights are won. You know, that's why you're seeing guys finish people in the third round, fourth round, fifth round, because it usually comes down to who has the most heart, the most determination, the most athleticism and the most confidence when they, when they get to those deep rounds of being more athletic than their, than their opponent. Is there more in today's game? How big of the scene, I guess, or how big of the game is that promotional entity? Cause I'm seeing people like from Bellator, uh, page, for example, Van Zant, uh, and, and yeah. she's in the she's in the UFC as well. Uh, Valerie Lareda is 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 one of them I'm seeing around, and they've got a great promotional game. Conor McGregor's got a great promotional game. Is is that something that's important to you, and is it hard for you to do, or you just want to fight? Um, no, I I, I realized probably about five years ago that this was more entertainment than it is uh, a sport. You know, the best guys are not fighting the best guys anymore. The best, the best guy in the weight class is not fighting the number two guy to see who's the best guy. It's about who's going to sell pay-per-views, who's going to put butts in seats, who's going to put eyeball, eyeballs on, t- on the TV. And that's fine with me. As long as you admit it, because for a while I was like, ah, that's, that's silly, man. This, is, this isn't about the sport anymore. This is about, you know, promotion and this, that, and everything. So you can, you can cry about it or you can adapt to it. And for me, there's different there's, there's different ways to, to do it. My platform is less trash talk, less crazy off the wall stuff, less, um, less braggadocious stuff and more just extremely hard work. My people who, who are, are devout followers of me and the people that I've built on my platform, which I, I believe I've, I've built one of the best platforms of anybody across mixed martial arts outside of the UFC. There are people in the UFC who've been in the UFC for 10 years who don't have the platform that I do as far as the numbers that I can do, my online presence and that kind of stuff. And I've done that because with strategic social socializing on social media, uh, outreach, giving, giving back and giving people value. I mean, I, I've, during this quarantine, I've, I've, I've put out one to two workouts per day for people to have for free. I'm not trying to sell anything. I just want people to get after it. I want people to realize that when a worldwide pandemic breaks out and this thing's taking people out, the people that are going to survive, the people that are the least amount at risk are the people that are the happiest, the healthiest, and the hardest to kill. So if we can get each one of us to put more emphasis into ourselves, our vessel, our body, our family, um, and build each other up through the, the individual um, goal of becoming our best selves, um, then the better off we all are. And that's, that's kind of the brand that I have built outside of mixed martial arts. And yes, I love, I love going in there and fighting and I get a lot of eyeballs when I do fight, but without also realizing that this is a business and people have to, people have to, to want to watch you. People have to be interest, interested in what you're doing. You can't be interesting unless you're interested. And I'm very interested in people, other people's success. And a lot of people are interested in what I'm doing because I have a certain interesting things about me that people are drawn to. And, and I, and I've noticed what they are. And I've, and I've exacerbated them and I've shined light on them so that I can build the biggest platform I possibly can outside of just stepping into a cage and fighting or just stepping into an MMA gym 
gym and fighting because if you're not, you know, if you're not a, a celebrity uh, status, if you're not trying to gain eyeballs at all times and gain traction, then you're not going to get paid by the promotions. And if you're not getting paid by the promotions, then you might as well not even be fighting. So just is, is, it, is it fair to no say... Reason. Is it fair to say that's like another bucket that you need to fill, right? So you have your, your fight mm-hmm. stuff, right? So like you said, your 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 defense, your great, your wrestling, your your striking, and now you also have to have some skill as far as self promotion, and and maybe maybe selecting that team and and doing the marketing that goes around to to get the fights to get the opportunities. Yeah, you have to you have to understand you have to understand especially this day and age what what society. Base what society is consuming. They're consuming these kinds of things. They are consuming this audio right now when this thing gets published. They are consuming the video if it's if it's a video podcast. They are consuming social media. They are consuming all of these different mediums. You know, um, so you don't need to get on TV. You don't need to try to get on a TV show like back in the '90s, back in the early 2000s. You can I can have my own video guy, my own producer, my own publicist, and we can build, we can build a narrative. We can build storylines. We can build stories. We can build mini documentaries. We can build, we can build these, these books page by page that aren't actual physical books, but it's something that people are reading and, and, and seeing every single day. And they're saying, man, I'm interested in what that guy is doing outside of the cage, man. He's a great father or he's a, he's a Christian or he's a this or he's a that or, or he's a father. Oh, and he, he it just turn, turns out that he goes and steps into a cage and gets into a fist fight and he's pretty darn good at it. That's cool too. So I'm going to go ahead and continue to, to put my attention on him. And with the attention comes the reciprocal, which is the, the money from, from whether it be uh, sponsors or whether it be fight promotions realize, holy cow, this guy's got a ton of traction online. He's got a ton of traction in the media. He's got a ton of traction and a great reputation amongst other fighters and amongst other managers and amongst other fight promotions. And I think that's what if people don't believe you, they're not going to ever buy from you. And that's not necessarily buying anything monetarily from you, not a product, but they're not going to buy those minutes of their life to spend on the couch watching you fight or buying one of the tickets to your fight. So you have to get their attention and they have to trust you and they have to, you have to have a good reputation. Your reputation is more important now than it ever has been. And it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and it just takes one silly mistake to ruin your reputation. So you always have to be on guard throughout this whole process as well. Yeah, but it's it, it's funny you say that too, because I'm going to actually show you something that you might find interesting. I was here for the birth of this shit. Um, I don't know if you can see in here. It's kind of hard to see. There is, uh, you won't be able to see it. It's an autographed jersey from The Ultimate Fighter 2, because I was on the reality right. show, The Ultimate Fighter 2. And it's funny, it's autographed by the entire cast, but it was an interesting scene and I can't, I'll talk to you offline about it because I still think I'm bound by contractual obligations, <laughs> but they manufactured a fuck ton of drama that season because yeah. season one was good and they wanted to make season two better. So they got a bunch of serious fighters. So they brought mm-hmm. in me, a guy named Tom Murphy, Keith Jardine, Rashad Evans, uh, Josh Berkman, uh, Joe Stevenson. And there was zero drama none of us drank we went to bed early there was like a mutual respect society like it'd be like me you're hanging out just talking and so they had to manufacture a bunch of stuff then when they went to ultimate fighter season three they brought in a bunch of drunks like guys that would just (laughs) fucking crazy because they wanted it for the camera and that's when it kind of clicked with me that there's going to be a big portion of the sport in the future that's going to be talking and drama and nonsense. And it's not about fighting anymore. The second thing I want to say, you made a comment about having one of the biggest platforms outside of the UFC. 
I want to make it clear from an outside point of view to people that are, that are watching or listening, the UFC is not the only game in town anymore. Like I think Bellator is as good as the UFC. And to be honest with you, if I got a contract offer from both, I'd have to really think about who I wanted to fight for, because it's not like it was where it was UFC or nothing. Because I was also in the era where pride was gone too. So you didn't have an option. Um, is there anything that you really want to do? Uh, forget Bellator, forget the UFC, forget all that stuff. What do you really want to do in the sport as a whole? What's your ultimate goal? You know, I, I mean, the great, the greatest thing about this sport, and like, and like you talk about, I mean, you, you know, if, if you consider yourself a, a, a fitness guru and a fitness, a fitness icon, men's health, and are you, I know I saw you, you were one of the top 50 best Instagram accounts to follow up there with the rock and all these other people like that. Really I'm actually, awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to stop you right there, Chandler. I am the 77th fittest man to ever walk. <laughs> See? That, there you go. See, that stuff includes, like that. <laughs> that includes Jesus Thor, yes. Hercules, yes, yes, yes. yes. all of them. I'm yeah. up there. <laughs> see, and, and, see, stuff like that, but and, and nothing against and nothing against all of that stuff. But the one thing that sets you apart is the fact that you stepped into a cage and bit down in your mouthpiece and got into a fight in front of millions of people inside of a cage. Like, so I I don't underestimate the fact that this sport is the epitome of manliness. It really is. It, wh- whether, whether you dislike the sport, there's something that you're drawn to. Whether you completely, whether you still think it's human cockfighting, you're still somewhat drawn to it because fighting is a metaphor for life. And I think that this platform that, that I've been given and, and the athleticism and the skills and the gifts that I've been, been able to, to, to have inside of the sport is nothing short of amazing and, and it's awesome. But it is just a platform and it, and it just is a stepping stone. It's a medium to be able to prove to people that they have more left in the tank, that they were created for, for more than, than mediocrity. They were created for more than the limitations that the people around them or their, the generations before them put on them, you know? Um, so in the sport, you know, I have been be- fighting for Bellator now for eight, nine years. I've been a perennial guy who's perennial top 15, top 10 in the world. My name is up there as, as one of the best lightweights in the world. Do I need to fight in the UFC to, to sleep at night? No, I don't. Uh, do I think I would beat most of those guys? Do I think I would be UFC champion if I decided to go over there? I do. Um, it just depends on, you know, making the right business decision. So it's never been about fighting for Bellator or strike force or UFC. It's always been about, Hey man, I'm going to go where I'm led. I'm going to go where the discernment leads me, um, and make the best decision I can with the information that I have. And either way, I have no regrets. I look back on my 25 fight career thus far. And I've had some very high highs. I've had some very low lows. And it's made me the man, the father, and the husband that I am today. Um, and I just want to, you know, as you said, going back to the drama of, of, the, of the ultimate fighters and stuff, yeah, there's always going to be that, that um, portion of the sport that is very much reality show type driven, the trash talk, the cussing, the spitting, the fighting, and there's nothing wrong with that to each his own. I just have a a, a different vision for where I think I can take my platform. And yes, it's not always going to be the funniest, the coolest, or the most um, kind of the, the most sought after, but it's always at the end of the day, when the dust settles, I will be able to look back and say, okay, I operated with integrity. I tried my best. Um, and I never sacrificed myself or my um, kind of where, where my moral compass led me. And when I get done with my career, you know, hopefully I can still say the same exact thing when we redo this podcast, you know, five years from now. 
Is there anything off the wall you want to do? And, and I say off the wall, it's not really off the wall. One of the things that people don't realize is Taekwondo is probably a lot more effective in MMA than people give credit to. Anderson Silva is a fifth degree black belt in Taekwondo and was doing all kinds of shit. People didn't understand. And I'm starting to see a lot of newer guys bring out Taekwondo stuff. Like back in the day, you never saw back kicks. You never saw spinning heel kicks. You never saw this stuff's coming in. Do you want to fight Taekwondo? Do you want to uh, do any boxing? Do you want to do, is there anything like that that you want to do combative that's not mixed martial arts just to see from from a from a sports standpoint from like a a a fun standpoint yes but from a realistic standpoint no and and this is why i say that because people are like hey man you know because the whole connor versus floyd thing and then there's you know tyron woodley fighting trying to fight canelo i I think floyd played with connor and i don't think connor ever, ever had a chance i think floyd made it a good fight because he wanted to make it a good fight when it comes i'm telling you right now man I've been fighting for 10 years. I'm a pretty darn good striker, but I'm telling you right now, there's some 14 and 15 year old little, little Mexican boxers training under my, my coach Gil Martinez out in Vegas. And I know this because I, I sparred with these little 15 year olds when I was 20 something years old and they were so fast and they hit so hard. When you train just boxing all the time, you have the reaction time. You have the speed. When you guys train Taekwondo, Taekwondo, since you were eight years old and you did it for 10 years, there's a different speed, a different reaction time, a different angle. There is no way in a million years at my best striking could I beat even somewhat of a mediocre uh, world-level Taekwondo guy. And that's not because I'm not tougher than him or even faster than him or more powerful than him. It's just a different sport. It's like it's like a world champion badminton uh, player trying to play tennis against Serena Williams or vice versa. Serena Williams is probably more badass than the best badminton player, but you put her, put a little badminton racket and a game cock, a shuttlecock on a little badminton course court. She's not going to be as good, even though the sport is very similar. So I say that very humbly because I think, like I said, there's some 16 year old semi-professional boxers out there that would beat the living crap out of me in a boxing fight. Same thing with Taekwondo. I think something a little bit more slowed down slash closer, like a, like a tie boxing where I could get my hands on somebody and really make it a dirty, dirty boxing fight. Maybe something like that. I would somewhat consider only because I, I don't like distance. I don't like a lot of distance between me and my opponent, especially when I, it comes to somebody who's lightning fast, like a Taekwondo <laughs> guy. I, I got a promotional. I, you don't know where it came. <laughs> I got a promotional idea for you. I'm, I've been doing this. I don't know if you know this, but I've been doing this every year now. I go to the IBJJF World Championships in the Masters Division, old man jujitsu. So in August, I say we strap a gi on you and we bring you down to, to, to Las Vegas and get you grappling. Because it, it is, I mean, out of all those sports, I don't want to get punched or kicked anymore. Like I just, yeah. I'm worried about my head. You know what I mean? I'm worried about, and I think as you get older, that chin goes away. Like I remember watching Chuck Liddell at one point, he was invincible and then he was getting knocked out all the time. It's a hard thing to deal with. Your chin doesn't age like the rest of your body, but jujitsu, you've got a whole group of middle-aged men that that's their new thing, which leads me to my next question. What's your plan for after MMA? Will you always be involved? Do you want to be a wrestling coach? You want to do jujitsu? You want to, I don't know, get as fat as you can, like the dude from Dodgeball? <laughs> no. Like what's, what's your kind of plan? You know, I think 
you know, I think I will be doing, I will be doing something um, with my gifts. I've been, I've been given a pretty good gift to, to have um, the ability to have a good, a good eye for, for coaching people, not on a one-on-one basis. I don't, like I said, I have a gym here in town. My goal is not to be the head coach of an MMA gym. It's too much time. It's not enough. It's I, I've done too much and I've built too much of a platform to be under, you know, under a roof and not be, transported or transmitted out into the world. I want to have, I want to have a podcast. I want to be an author. I want to be a speaker. I want to be able to build a platform where young MMA fighters, um, ask questions. You know, I do it right now and I'll do an Instagram live and I'll have 20 people try to come on and ask me questions, whether it be diet, exercise, how do I get a manager? How do I get sponsorships? How do I get signed to effect promotion? How do I choose the right team for me? How do I choose the right coach for me? I think there's so many, you know, just like you, you had no idea what the heck you were doing back in the day. Like, how do you do it? You know, and then I can, I can use leverage my relationships like, well, I'm generation two fighter. You're, you know, the next guy's going to be generation three, generation four. Let's go back to generation one fighter, Bobby Maximus. How did, how did he do it? What mistakes did he make? Let, where, where can we glean information from him and just have somewhat of an online platform where, where young kids can, can learn um, how to navigate the sport of mixed martial arts before they get to one of the big fight promotions. Um, and then, yeah, the exact opposite of getting fat like the guy in dodgeball, I want to be like the fittest freaking 40 year old man, the fittest year, 50 year old man. I want to be doing Spartan races or CrossFit games or, um, freaking marathons or triathlons or something crazy where I'm just like, okay, if I ever stop, I'm just going to start shriveling up and dying, you know, probably the same mentality you have. That's why you're, you know, bumping those slow jams and crushing those weights. Cause you don't, you don't, you don't want to age. When you're ready to get really fit, I know a couple of guys that can help you, number one. So don't like don't that. forget that. Um, like that. We'll, wrap, we'll wrap this up. I have a couple of requests from you. Okay. One, the COVID-19 has hit me hard financially. So mm-hmm. I was thinking of a contest you and I could engage in. So okay. we're each going to put up 50 grand of our own money. We're okay. going to have a pay-per-view wrestling match no leg shots only greco and none of that collegiate folk style shit either (laughs) only something like this just like this yeah just greco and gut wrenches on the ground i think i can't wait to get get my ribs get my ribs broken sweet (laughs) all right so we'll do that number two you need to call scott coker for me i wanted bellator I think I, I think okay. I want to fight heavyweight, and you're going to walk me to the ring. I've already got Foxy Brown uh, agreed yeah, to wrap me to the ring, so we're <laughs> we're good. And then number three, you got to get your ass out here sometime. I'm putting it together a little training camp. I actually work with uh, two of the better jujitsu guys on the planet, Cian Cueros and Carlos Santos. Um, nice. They've won what I call real world championships at adult. Uh, Mark Hominick's going to come down. Um, so you're on my list for that of people that I want to have where we can just train, eat food, have some fun. Um, I would love that. Man. We got to get that I going. I'd be a blast. Number, number, yes. Number one, I will, I will call Scott Cooper for you because I, I think that would be awesome. And number two, um, I love Utah. Utah is actually like my second favorite state. My wife and I, uh, I know I reached out to you last time I was out there, but then, you know, got busy and whatnot, but man, Salt Lake city, park city, love 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 utah so i would uh i would love to come out there and hang out train and enjoy the outdoors you do an altitude you could do it and, and i'll tell you there's a great mma scene here josh Burkman's here uh court mcgee is here like it's actually like a little 
hot bed a little bit. Isn't there the, the pit? Is the pit still there? The pit elevated? Is that um, or not? Not, not really. Not the yeah. same as it was because at one point they had. I think Demetrius Johnson was here. Um, yeah. Court McGee was here. Josh Berkman was here. But you know what this stuff. People split up all the time. Like all I look time. at like what Sean went through, and Sean was affiliated and de-affiliated with so many people throughout his career. Is it actually, before you go, is it still like that where people just egos break camps apart and they, and they move or is it a lot more stable these days? I think it's, I think it's getting better, but I think it's still, you know, this, the sport is still in its, in its infancy, man, you know, but you know, as we talked about, like, like you said, if, if you wouldn't have had an in, you would have been fighting at a bar somewhere and they're supposed to, our room brawls are still happening here and there, but for the most part, man, you know, like me, I, I, I fought because I wanted to fight, not because I had to fight or because it was something that I, I needed as an outlet. I, I got my college degree, didn't want to use my college degree and I wanted to go fight. I wanted to still compete. Same thing happens with these coaches, you know, and, and I think you're going to see guys like myself who, who have, you know, that's maybe a good head on their shoulders for coaching, or I want to lead these guys in the right direction. Not, this isn't just about the fight. This isn't just about, the money, this isn't, isn't just about the glitz and the glam. This is about becoming a better man through all this. And as you continue to have more and more coaches and more and more fighters in the sport who, who look at it as a real way to make a great living and make a great impact and have a great platform, it starts to legitimize the sport even more. And I mean, even a guy like myself, I trained here in Missouri. Then I went out to Las Vegas. Then I left Las Vegas, went to San Diego, left San Diego, went to Arizona, left Arizona, went to Florida. And now here I am training in Florida for the last three, four years. And it wasn't necessarily because I got into fights or de-affiliated or had these, any, any of these ill will or bad, bad breakups or bad, you know, um, falling out. It was more just like, I knew what I had to do for myself, my training, my, me selfishly as a fighter. And sometimes you got to make a hard decision that means you're moving from San Diego all the way to Florida, which that's pretty much what I did, you know? So Who's your, who's your, this will be the last one. I promise. It's just so damn oh, interesting good. to me you're good. of all time. Who is your dream fight? Mm. It could be anyone from any era. Like, do you want to, do you want to fight Hoist Gracie just because he was the originator? Do you want to fight Mark Hominick? Do you want to fight? I'd love to see you in a fight with Mike Brown. That I Dude, think Mike, would be. Mike Brown, Mike Brown was, a, was a stud, man. He, to me, was the original ground and pound guy, yep. like the prototype for that. Who do you want to fight? Um, man, it, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard, number one, because I'm going to tell you a, a current guy. But number two, I think this guy is a, one of the best guys in the world in the making. That really is Khabib. Khabib really is, when you look at who he has beat and how he has beaten them and not that he's undefeated, I know that's not a, a fun answer because he, he is the number one guy in the world right oh, now. I, but I think he's, he's definitely the number one guy in the world. He's definitely the best lightweight, I think, to ever do it. And there would be a ton of hype around that fight. Other than that, I like the guy, but I do think he's the, one of the other greatest of all time would be George St. Pierre, your fellow, your fellow uh, countryman. But, you man, know, he's, he's good, I, man. He was good everywhere. He's, he's good where I'm good. He's good in the wrestling, but he had awesome striking. And he was just a good dude. I would love to get into a fist fight with him, beat the crap out of him, or him beat the crap out of me. But both of us get done, shake hands, and be like, hey, all the fans, two good dudes with good hearts trying to beat the piss out of each other, and we had a blast doing it, you know? I'll call George for you. I actually, 
really funny. I remember when he fought Matt Hughes, everyone was saying that Matt Hughes would out-wrestle him. But my memory of George, we actually met at the University of Montreal. And the University of Montreal is the best wrestling school in Canada. Yeah, he was training with those those guys? Kind of, yeah. There was a guy, Gia Sississuri there, who was a silver medalist in the Olympics for wrestling. You're not going to get much better than that. And they had the Olympic team program. And George didn't formally wrestle with them like an NCAA career, but he wrestled like an NCAA wrestler for six years, twice a day, every day with those guys. So when he fought Matt, people were like, Matt's going to beat him at wrestling. And I was like, I don't think so. Cause George did all the wrestling stuff that you or I did. He just yep. didn't do it as a university athlete. If that makes sense. I think wrestling is his best thing and, and maybe i'm biased because he's a friend but i think he could walk in today and still win yeah you know, no, I, I absolutely i think so too and i and i honestly wish he would have i don't know if it's just because he's he's set and he doesn't need the money or, or what his motivation is or is like george a weird fucking guy you know who he reminds me of carlos newton like those really? guys george doesn't care what people say he doesn't care what he's just like a nice french guy from quebec he just right. doesn't he doesn't need anyone talking about him. He doesn't need to beat Khabib or anyone else to prove he, he like he almost does it for the the chi or the karma or the just his own inner peace. And he just doesn't he doesn't care. Like there's not enough money in the world for him to be like, yeah, I'll go fight because people want to see me fight. It's crazy, man. He's he's so good. When he came back and fought Bisping, I was just it was it was a, a dream come true because I'm like, yes, George is back. He's going to win this. He's going to look awesome. Yeah, he's at 185, but he's going to come back down to 170. Maybe he'll fight Tyron. Maybe he'll fight freaking Nick Diaz. Maybe he'll fight Nate Diaz. Maybe he will go down to 155, fight Khabib. There's so many dream matchups. And here we are, you know, putting our fan hat on again. It's like, I would love to see that. But it's also like, like you said, I I love that he does just say, I'm not fighting because you guys want me to fight. I'm fighting. It just same thing. I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not trying to go to the UFC because everybody wants to see me in the UFC. I'm fighting where I want to fight, when I want to fight, how I want to fight and making the best decision for my, for myself and my family, because that's what everybody always says. Well, when are you going to make it to the UFC? When are you going to, when's Dana White going to finally give you a shot? And all these, like all these silly kind of casual fan questions where it's like, man, y'all don't even understand. Like this isn't about the fans. If it was about the fans, I would have went to the UFC a long time ago and probably not be where I'm at today. Right. So um, I, I respect that about George, but man, I wish that dude was still back in the sport. Yeah, he's a he's a, maybe we'll headline a, a a card together. You fight George, sure. and I'll fight my my dream fight is actually Brock Lesnar, and sure. it's it's because it's no loose for me. Like if I get the shit beat out of me by Brock Lesnar, well, I got yeah, beat up exactly. by Brock Lesnar. If I, <laughs> if I beat Brock Lesnar, all my WWE dreams are fucking coming true. Same, same so thing. Same are, thing with same thing with me and George. It's like, well, if he just ragdolls me for twenty five minutes, I'm like. Well, but at least it was, at least it was George St. Pierre. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't lose. And by the way, I would never look at it as making to the UFC anymore because watching as a fan of Bellator, I think the the the, the rosters is equally stacked. Like it's not like it's a free lunch over there. Like it is some of the best fighters on the planet. Just as an example, their heavyweight Grand Prix tournament they have that's fucking legit. Like I don't want anything to do with Josh Barnett or Roy Nelson. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or or Fedor. Like Fedor is a tough fucking guy. So it's yeah. it's 
You guys are doing some good things over there. It's been a pleasure having you. Uh, I've been a fan for a long time. Joe's a big fan. Yep. And uh, you got you have an open invite to Salt Lake City for that fifty thousand uh, <laughs> dollar rigged rigged wrestling match. By the way, let's go. I'm only, we got my singlet. <laughs> and there's there's no weight on. classes. It's the absolute division. Oh, perfect, so, perfect. That's great. Well, I weigh about one eighty five. So you outweigh me by what, like? 150 pounds no 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 that's just that's just instagram angles i'm a bunch 75 right now oh yeah exactly yeah that's that's just because that's just because you're always shirtless and you got those those rolled up sweatpants that i'm like yeah, I'm yeah start I, I look, I look bigger than stuff. i am but i'm really only 175 pounds so we'll be good hey, if you had the rest of your if you had the rest of your what is your right bicep or your left bicep, if you had the rest of that you'd be like 200 the right one did you have you seen have you seen the documentary men's health did on me when i fought a polar bear no, I need I need to. Oh, I didn't even shit. know about the bicep until like halfway, like a year into yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did. You finally showed up. I was like, that's so awesome. I, I got in a fight. I was snowshoeing across the Arctic, and I got attacked by a polar bear, and I fought it for 45 minutes, and it severed my right bicep. You look like you're men's health. Yeah, I'm going to send you. <laughs> I'm going to send you the thing, and you'll see. Uh, so. Well, you are, you are the 77th fittest man to ever walk the face of universe that's oh, I, that's I, not my words that's that's man's health that said that that's not me that is them. Joe over you, there freaking <laughs> yeah if you uh, if you dispute if you dispute that don't take it up with me i didn't write the article i was just in it you're right you just you're just the talent what are you supposed to do you know but i did i did get beat by tiger woods and chuck norris so i don't know how that i don't know if it's it good. Either less, but what are you gonna do mike it's Whatever. been an absolute pleasure so stay in touch and thank you for your time yeah thank you mike yes, uh, appreciate you guys thank you guys have a good one you're the last of a dying breed.